Welcome to Sustain This, a podcast where we discuss mindful consumption, personal style, and the quest for living a more intentional life. I'm Alyssa, a sustainable stylist. And I'm Christina, a shopaholic turned minimalist-ish. And I'm Sina, a color consultant and slow fashion style coach. Together, we will unpack the nuances of what it really means to be a conscious consumer and find more joy in what we have right now. So grab your tea, your coffee, or whatever floats your boat and join us in the conversation. Let's go. Yay. Yay. <laughs> okay, everyone. So this week, Alyssa, Cena, and I wanted to dive into the TikTok trend that started earlier in 2023, known as de-influencing. So we have influencing. A lot of us might be familiar with that. You see somebody online that you know, that you trust, and they tell you their experiences with products to give you advice as to what to buy. And de-influencing is the exact opposite of that. So it is essentially telling people what not to buy and why. So let's get into it. How do you guys feel about de-influencing as slow fashion content creators? I feel like you guys are like the OG de-influencers. <laughs> telling people to shop their closets. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> buying new stuff. What do you think? It's funny because I was actually like interviewed for like a, a school project a while ago, like a couple of months ago. And I didn't know about de-influencing until then. Like they asked me about de-influencing and how I, if I see myself contributing to that. And I was just like, what is de-influencing? <laughs> and I was like, oh, but I'm already doing that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't know. What do you think about the trend? Have you seen it on TikTok and on Insta and YouTube? I guess on YouTube, I would call de-influencing. Like it's a rebrand of the anti-haul to me. Do you ever watch mm. anti-hauls? So anti-hauls yes. on YouTube, if you're not familiar, it's basically like things I would not buy, things I didn't buy. Um, so it's just a, I think it's just another, yeah, it's the, the 2023 version of the anti-haul. Alyssa, you looked like you were going to say something. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is a rebrand and that it kind of caught fire. I remember thinking the same thing when I first saw it come out, though. Like, okay, this is something that I've already been doing. But by the time I kind of dove into it, it had already morphed into the... Uh, don't buy this buy that instead mm -hmm. which we were talking about like before just before we started recording was that like I think the OG idea behind de-influencing was you know from the perspective of like why don't we just not shop so much why not why don't we just try and figure out a way to push the message of maybe we don't need these things and it's kind of morphed into more of a more of a marketing tool on the other side of mm. like a buy buy this not that buy this not that yeah and I yeah. think yeah I think it it kind of runs parallel with uh what happens what happened with sustainability like it started as we need to be kinder to the planet we need to be kinder to the thing people that like make our clothes we need to think more about the things we buy and now that has kind of morphed into a marketing tactic a tactic as well so i think they mm -hmm. those ideas run parallel to each other why do you think that the de-influencing trend took off when it did like 
it has it's it's got hundreds of millions of views if you search the hashtag on TikTok. Um, you know, I've I, I've posted de-influencing videos on TikTok, just sharing my experience of things I stopped buying when I was a shopaholic, um, behaviors that I stopped doing when I was a shopaholic. And some of those videos have millions of, like over a million views. So it's like, this is resonating with people. Like what, mm-hmm. what do you think it is that, that, captures people's curiosity with this like are we sick of overconsumption are we sick of seeing so much consumption on social media are we sick of the pressure to feel like we need to buy certain things to keep up um this idea of keeping up with the joneses sort of competing with your neighbor and you know when they buy a car you buy a car when Mm -hmm. they have this highlighter stick so i need this highlighter stick and it's like so social media creates this you know, it's a beautiful, powerful place, but at the same time, it it breeds so much comparison and feelings of inadequacy and this like pressure to buy into things to keep up, like kind of how we feel about fashion trends, right? Like um, there's a lot of pressure to feel like you belong and it's, that's like a natural human need. So like, that's why I think it's really resonated with people. I think Maybe a lot of us are just sick of that um, that pressure to need to consume all the time. And the fact that that target of consumption and that sort of barometer is always changing, whether it be like, you know, I just bought this highlighter. This is like the new hot highlighter. And then, you know, before I've even had a chance to use it, there's a new like makeup trend or fashion trend that uses this product and this technique. So it's like, it's just impossible to keep up with. And I mean, I've gone broke in the past trying. So <laughs> like it's, mm. you know, um, that's why I yeah. feel like it resonates so much. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I think there's a perspective you mentioned with like not wanting to, you know, or like wanting to say goodbye to that pressure of having to keep up. But I also think like maybe it could also be like people want to be more intentional with like the way they spend and what they buy like they don't want to buy like them overly ridiculously expensive beauty products when you can get something you know at a fraction of the price that does the same thing so Mm -hmm. I think people it's also a way for people to kind of I don't know make their money or like make more intentional decisions and not breaking the bank I think like like make their money work yeah exactly yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um as long as it's not like an excuse to then you know i want to pay less so i can buy more because i think there's no (laughs) there's nothing wrong with like wanting to to look out for your money especially if you're on more of a limited budget um i think it's nice that you have products that kind of do the same thing but that are more budget friendly that you could then look into but i think where it becomes problematic is when people use it as an excuse to you know pay less so they can buy even more I just yeah. think it's also like a matter of like, um, so this is language that I always try to be very cognizant of in my own content and things might slip in here and there, but like, I really try to never say you need this, this thing is going to change your life, get this now. And there's this like alarmist kind of language around 
products that I think it's very common to use on social media because it's very eye-catching. It makes you stop. It's like, wow, I want this thing that's life-changing. But what I find, at least in my experience, is like, okay, I got this, but like, it was kind of disappointing. Like it didn't change my life. And I think, you know, maybe people are also really tired of just products letting them down because I think when we, when we buy things, especially like, I don't know if it's necessarily us buying the product itself. We're buying what the product promises us, you know? Mm. So like, if it's a, if it's a t-shirt, you know, then now I'm going to be more fashionable and therefore I'm going to be more confident and I'm going to be able to do better work and I'm going to be a better mom and like all these things. It's like, it's not the thing that we're buying. It's the, the thing that that thing is supposed to deliver. And a lot of times these products don't deliver on that. And I think that's also quite fatiguing as well um, when it comes to consumption. So have you ever experienced that? Like, how do you feel about like what we buy versus what we get at the end? That's an excellent question. (laughs) (laughs) I could clearly talk about (laughs) shopping and de-influencing all day long. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was thinking, I don't know. I try, I think that's why it's kind of cool to shop when it's when it's a a need i'm trying to think of like those times when i've purchased something thinking like oh this will make me cooler or more fashionable or whatever um and i i don't know it's been a i think it's been a while but i think you kind of realize that it's after a while after being disappointed buy products you kind of realize that it doesn't have anything to do with it and it has to do with everything about how you feel about yourself and Mm -hmm. yeah that that you have everything like within you not even like be kind of beyond clothes like you learn that you don't need certain things to be that it's it's all within this is gonna sound so cheesy but like (laughs) you have it already like you're yeah it's you know you really do but But that takes it takes so much a like, lot inner of work to find work. that. Yeah. Tons of internal work. And I yeah. think back to your point as, uh, or your question as to like why you think de-influencing hit so big. I think it's like a culminate. I think it was like the perfect storm. Like we're in a cost of living crisis. Mm-hmm. The idea yeah. of overconsumption, it's been kind of brewing for the past year, I would say, like overconsumption as part of the sustainability conversation. Like when we all started, it was still largely based around what are the new innovative fabrics that we can use? What are the blah, blah. Whereas our consumer behavior was never discussed as, as a cause or an effect to overconsumption or to, as part of the sustainability conversation. So now consumer behavior is also, also started to come into play. And I also think that it was such a radical the idea of not telling or of telling people not to shop was so radical and TikTok and all of these fast moving socials, it's all about the stop factor. Like what will make you stop scrolling? And when it first started, it was like, whoa, why is it so weird? Someone's telling me not to shop. So I think it was, 
sorry, I know that wasn't an answer no, directly I, to your question, is, but I, is. yeah, that's um, totally, I, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the, yeah, it's the consumer behavior piece that I think. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because like Christina, you mentioned that you've, you've made like content about de-influencing um, in the past. And I, I like, I made a video a while ago, um, which was, I guess it was kind of like an an anti-haul. It was um, like things I'm not going to buy this year, like things I've had mm -hmm. on my wish list that I'm not going to buy. But it was not so much about like taking a certain hyped product and tearing that apart or like being, you know, super mm -hmm. like like the, the backlash that it sometimes is. Yep. It was more like you said, Alyssa, like it, it was more, you know, trying to remind people of okay well I want this but what it, and the focus was on clothes like I want this piece but I actually already have this piece that kind of is the same story and so maybe I don't need that specific other piece that I've been exposed to or that I've seen on Pinterest or Instagram um, so I think you know like de-influencing is definitely also like a you know, it's kind of like a backlash of certain products that people are like, people are just like over them being hyped or I don't know, maybe it's also a way to kind of, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's kind of like a way to, to move a little bit away from like being influenced and like the whole influencer industry, like maybe people are a little bit over, you know, that whole thing like people wanting to like people claiming to be honest about certain products but are they really honest like yeah yeah exactly so um yeah there's a level of uh, I mean uh, what comes to mind is that mascara gate <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard about that uh th there was a creator on TikTok she's quite big um And she was promoting this mascara that's supposed to be like a lengthening eyelash mascara. And um, it broke the internet because her before and after to display how, you know, effective this mascara was in lengthening lashes, like you could clearly see or people alleged that clearly people alleged that uh, she was wearing false lashes, so lash mm, extensions. Right. Um, so you know, a lot of times in terms of product and working with a brand, like obviously like, and you know, we, we're all content creators, influencers, we do work with brands and we want, we work with brands that, you know, we actually use that we want to work with. And like, you do have, you know, a lot of times brands have, you know, talking points that they want you to hit and you want, you want to do good for the brand and like show showcase the product so that, you know, your audience can see it as an option. And it's like, like, I mean, I think for all of us, we would only work with brands that we would actually use or that we actually like and that align with us. Um, so like in terms of mascara gate, like I can see, like you want to show how effective the product is. You want to, you want to show it in a very positive light, but this was like to a level that felt very dishonest to people. Um, so I think like, you know, content like that or um, there's a lot of discourse about like a lot of influencers will just 
you know, promote a product for a paycheck. And then this is where people get very fatigued um, with that kind of, I guess, behavior um, in the sense of, oh, I'm just promoting this product for this paycheck and, you know, then you're never going to see it again or I am making it look better than it actually is. And I think a lot of, and I think people get a sense of that and, and again, just feel quite fatigued from it. So I think this is where that de-influencing, like I think it's another reason why it um, has taken off in the way that it has. I mean, a lot of times like in this in this society, it's just like, there's this tendency to want to feel a little bit contrarian, like to go against the grain and against the norm. Um, and I think the norm for so many years and even up until now is just like more, more, more. Like, uh, I don't know, I, right now I'm like, I'm in the middle of moving. So I'm looking at a lot of organization or organizational stuff and like, but it's, and I'm even thinking about like my own things in terms of like things that I need to declutter. And it's like, oh, now I need to buy these bins so that I can fill my whole mm -hmm. drawer full of, um, you know, like the, like the videos of like organizing, organizing like your makeup collections and they're, they're absolutely massive. And like, there's no way that you can use all that product or if it's like partially open, it's going to expire. So there's like, I think there's also a lot of like um, fatigue around the waste that overconsumption mm -hmm. and like th that influencing can can promote like I don't know if you guys watched like YouTube back in like 2015 2016 with like the beauty gurus and stuff and they would have like makeup collection tours I'm thinking about the makeup a lot because I feel like it, that mm -hmm. is so like the makeup and the skincare consumption is like mm. I think that's where so people excessive. have like the highest expectations to the product as well in mm -hmm. order to like fix something or make my skin look perfect or make yeah. my lashes look longer. Like I think people have a higher yeah. expectations there probably. Yeah. 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 You were talking about the big like beauty makeup collection tours and how, um, yeah, who, who will, who would ever be able to go through all of that? Like, yeah. Within the expiration date, and I've had collections like that in the past. Like I'm even mm -hmm. today, I'm gonna film. I'm in the middle of moving. I'm gonna film a makeup declutter, and like some of that is products that I've bought because I want to try <clears throat> because I was influenced and curious. Um, and some of it was like product that is sent to me. But like, there's just so like as one person, it's just there's there's too much. So it's just I mean, when it comes to like influencing, de-influencing, all of that. I think it's really like, how much can we realistically use? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also I feel like, and this is not to like say anything bad about other content creators, but I feel like sometimes we have a tendency as creators to hide behind, oh, well, this is my job. <laughs> and mm -hmm. oh, I need, I have more clothes than the, the typical consumer because this is my job. And yeah, of course, like I do have a like, few pieces like that myself that are like okay they were specifically for that collaboration and maybe I've not used that blue t-shirt as much as I thought I was going to but I think like we all as creators just need to check in with ourselves every once in a while and ask ourselves well am I just hiding behind well this is my job because obviously we're depending on the sponsorships and the collaborations but there are other ways like we can rethink like we can borrow or we can loan from PR companies and mm -hmm. give it back and we can like there are other alternative ways 
to make an income. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not to say that it's super easy or straightforward. Like it's, it's not like it's, it's hard, like being someone who wants to not tell people to shop and then making a living from that. Like it, it's definitely Mm -hmm. a struggle. Yeah. But I think it's worth thinking about, like checking in with yourself. If you are a creator, like, are you just making an excuse to yourself? Like you, you don't necessarily need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. And I mean, like for me watching that kind of content in the past, uh, I made a TikTok recently sort of talking about that, how like the concept of the shopping hall in particular, the more I watched those, the more it really normalized, you know, buying like 10, 12 items in one shopping trip for me, because Mm. I was seeing it so much And despite it being online, like that was turning into my reality. It's like, oh, well, she's buying that much in my like subconsciously. I'm like, yeah, then it's cool. Like, I guess people do this. So Mm -hmm. I so I'm going to try it. And it's just like, you know, and then that's when it became like it wasn't a successful shopping trip. If I only walked away with one item, I had to get five, six, seven, spend five hundred dollars in one in one go like you know, so um, that's where I think that, again, the de-influencing is really a helpful tool. But how do you guys feel about de-influencing just becoming a form of influencing? Like, I think you touched on that at the beginning, Alyssa. I think we can talk a little bit more about that because mm. it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. how it how it gets twisted so quickly. Yeah, it's almost like <laughs> our influencers, like, uh, is it the end of influencers? But then no, because there's a mm. twist to the story. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I think I, what I had mentioned, like I did a little post about it and I think once it, yeah, once it morphed into this marketing tool, I think consumption is now still part of the equation, right? Mm -hmm. It's just another strategy. Like in one of the articles that I read, it was so interesting talking to Sina and your point, Christina, about like the authenticity of like being a content creator. The article kind of went through, um, you know, this is de-influencing is a vehicle for creators to gain, to to become more authentic so that their audience trusts them more. So now it's a strategy for, Mm. for influencers and content creators. And I, I think that, Again, it's a strategy for to sell something, and I think I, I mean, look, there's no right or wrong. We all have to make a paycheck. Mm. I work with brands too, but mm. it was never a strategy. I like from from my perspective, it, it was never a strategy to work with the same brands over and over and over again to seem authentic. That's that's the, how I consume. If I find something, I like it yeah. and I stick to it. You and have I the don't, brand loyalty. Uh, yeah, because that's literally how I am consuming my product. So I think it's it's tough. It kind of actually hurt my heart a little. I'll be honest when I when I read that article and 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 I read how how now it's being authentic is has also become through de marketing has also become a marketing tactic. It's like yeah. you know, like if you're not wow. going to be authentic, like. Do you know what I mean? It, it yeah, hurt my heart a little. Yeah. It's like, is nothing yeah. sacred? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you trust? And I know. 
Yeah. Wow. I never thought of that. I guess um, in terms of like, I like one thing I will say about like the whole how de-influencing has been used as a marketing tactic. I mean, because I've experienced it in my own content and uh, the natural question is, well, if this didn't work for you, what did? What did? So there are people, you know, looking for like maybe I was interested in this product, but, you know, I'm seeing a bunch of videos that said it didn't work for you or it's not as great as they say. So what's the alternative? Because I'm still looking to meet that need. So like I think it's interesting like you can kind of use de-influencing as a vetting tool in a similar way that we would use influencing as a vetting tool. Like maybe if I'm interested in something, I will look to see like what are the product reviews and what are these creators saying about it or what did now, I mean, now with TikTok, anybody can be a creator. Like if you, because we all use products. So like if you have experience with it, you are an authority on it. If you, you know, Mm -hmm. if, um, if you create content about it. So like, I want to see what people are saying, but I also want to see if it didn't work, what's better if I do want to meet that need. So I think there is like a natural um, necessity for that, but it's like, when Mm -hmm. does it, yeah, when are you using it as a tool to either fake authenticity or to just continue to sell something to somebody? Mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard to navigate all this stuff like there's mm. <laughs> I mean we talked about it in I, a previous yeah. episode like with greenwashing and stuff it's like why is it so hard to find yes they make it difficult like why is it so difficult for the consumer to make the right decision yeah. to feel like they make the right decision yeah maybe like it's your also- point Christina oh sorry go no, ahead no yeah yeah no I was just gonna say maybe it's also because there's so much information available like it's it's sometimes we have maybe unrealistic standards like of course like it it, a a product can have a bad review and that's one thing and maybe it is a really bad product but Mm -hmm. maybe sometimes we have unrealistic standards or like we want more from what the product than what the product can actually do yeah yeah (laughs) I don't know and sometimes maybe it's good to like just I'm probably going to sound really old, but step outside of the internet for a little while and maybe just go ask someone in the local store instead, like, Mm -hmm. well, I want a really great foundation. What do I buy? And then try out some things there and see for yourself. Physically. Yeah. yeah, Whereas I feel like sometimes, yeah, you can read all of the reviews, but sometimes you need to just try it out for yourself. Like I use the, I know the Ilia, like super serum skin Mm -hmm. tint foundation is Mm -hmm. like being slacked off by a lot of people. Like it's not worth the money. It's not worth the hype, but it's like literally my favorite foundation on earth. And, and it's like, sometimes it's like, don't follow the review, like try it out for yourself and see what you feel. Mm -hmm. Hashtag not sponsored. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I wish, but no. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. I I like both your points. How Christina, how you said, and and I find you do this often, which is so great. Is like you find the the good out of the influence or social media. Like it's like, wait, but we can use this for a pragmatic purpose as long as, and then Sina comes in and is like, yes, but check in with yourself as long as you're doing it for yourself and you're mindful. I think the two of you, like you're both of your points come together in a really beautiful (laughs) thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Christina, you find like you've been doing anti-hauls for a while, Mm -hmm. like even before de-influencing 
kind of got was having or like had a renaissance had a moment, or whatever yeah. <laughs> had a moment did they what was it that kind of prompted prompted you to start the anti-halls was it more to be like the countercultural rebel or were you like wait no when i think through this process it helps me not be influenced it does help me i think because i think i need to verbally and like I, I have to like go through it because i think i am still very easily influenced and i mean you know there's algorithms that are working like if i pause on a video then guess what the next five ten videos are going to be that same thing and there's a um, a level of psychology to that where if you are repeatedly exposed to something, um, like there's there's a psychology of sales where, for example, um, you need to see something seven, I don't know what the number is exactly, like seven to 14 times before you buy. And it's, uh, and it's not necessarily like, oh, buy this. It's like you might see somebody using it in the background or like, and then in your mind, you're kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I, you know, they're using this toothpaste. Next time I'm at the pharmacy, I'm going to, I, I remember it and then I'm going to buy that. So it's this very like indirect. Um, so it's not as like linear in terms of, hmm. in terms of influencing and like going from seeing the item for the first time to purchasing it, uh, if that makes sense. So for me, I, the doing the anti-hauls and I do a lot of anti-hauls specific to trends on YouTube. So I'll, I'll take a look at the, the trends. I have to do a summer anti-haul. I haven't done it yet. Summer fashion trends, anti-haul. Um, so I'll take a look at what's trending and what people are saying is coming up. And I kind of have to just walk myself through it to be like, do I like this? Uh, why? And if I don't like it, why is that? Do I already have something? If I do like it, I'm a spender. I'm an impulse buyer by nature. I'm again, very easily influenced. And it's something that I feel like I have to constantly be keeping mm -hmm. in check um, to make sure I just like don't go off the rails because it's just so easy to like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like human things behind that. Again, like we talked about it with trends it, it gives you a sense of belonging. It gives you even a sense of authority in the fashion space in the sense that you, um, you know, you're perceived as keeping up and fashionable and whatever it is. So I think, again, it really always comes down to like, it's hard not to consume. It's hard to not mm -hmm. shop. Um, and it really, again, comes down to the why <clears throat> behind the buy. It really does. And what is that thing promising you that we like, what problem is this thing going to solve? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. why we buy. Right. I think what all of this ultimately comes down to what I'm thinking of is like, whether it be de-influencing or influencing by this, not that the main problem is that it's so hard for us to stop shopping mm -hmm. and it's so hard yes. for us to find satisfaction and use what we have. Like even, yeah. even for me to this day. So it's like, how do you, how do you combat that? Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a separate episode. Right? <laughs> We're going to dive deep into that. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like the world, you're, you're so right, Christina. Like the, the world, our society 
is literally maybe this is different in in Denmark, but I or I do find it is a bit different in when I was away. But at least in North America, it's like our days are structured around like we are designed to make our society is designed to make us shop at every turn. Mm-hmm. Like it's you're right, Christina. It is so hard. It is less mm. about like just daily enjoyment of life through waking up and going for a run, having a cup of tea, sitting, petting my cat. It's more (laughs) about like, when you get up, you should go like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it is tough. It's the the world is designed for us to consume now Mm. and it's, we're only human. I've even thought like, you know, I've had some friends where it's like, friends, acquaintances, whatever. It's like our our only relationship is built around stuff and like things that we buy or like are planning around buying. Like that's where the conversations are, I've noticed. Um, okay. And I find that very interesting mm. as opposed to like uh, sometimes there's no, we, all, we often fail to dig deeper than that. I don't know. I feel like the only the only thing that has evolved. Maybe we'll talk about it in another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it so hard to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll I'll save it for another episode. (laughs) Okay. So de-influencing for or against neutral. How do we feel? I think it's all about balance. Like balance is just like the. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because I I definitely see like why it can be helpful. Like. You know, mm-hmm. wanting to save money or just mm-hmm. like genuinely one, wanting to buy things with more intention and making sure that I buy yeah. the best possible the right thing. product or item. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely see like an idea and I see why it can be helpful. But I think, yeah, always check in with yourself and mm-hmm. balance. Yeah. There's no pressure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we've all experienced buyer's remorse too in some way. And I like mm-hmm. kind of de-influencing to me is kind of a, a lamenting of the buyer's remorse that we may have experienced from purchasing a product there where it didn't perform or do what we wanted it to do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the other thing is it's like there's always going to be something to buy. Mm. That's and there's always going to be something you want to buy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Daily gratitude. That's all I have to say. That's yeah, like the, yeah. The be all and end all. But like, yes. it's so hard. It's so hard. I know. It's a lot of internal work, isn't it? Like it is. It. Yeah. Oh my God, it so is. We need to get like a psychologist on here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining in our conversation this week. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple and leave us a rating and review. It's one of the best ways to support the Sustain This podcast at zero cost to you. We're also a community-led podcast, so if you have any questions for us, topic requests, or even guests you want to hear from, please send us a DM on Instagram at sustainthis underscore podcast. We read all of our comments and look forward to hearing from you. We hope you join us again next Tuesday, where we'll talk about so much more than clothes. Ciao!